am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 53, in which I am not pod-fading. Um, yeah, I know it seems like I have been. Uh, you know, things just got away from me. It's been, I don't even know how long since I last posted, maybe a couple of weeks. I am in my real crunch time at work, and even though I work from home and I'm on the computer, you know, so when I say I've been really, really busy, I've been really, really busy while sitting stock still in one chair. <laughs> hours at a time. But it's still, you know, exhausting. As exhausting as if I was running around, you know, from place to place all day. And it that always takes me a little bit by surprise. So what's been going on is that, you know, by the end of the day, when I get off my computer, you know, and I haven't been working insanely late, I've been working until, you know, six or seven o'clock, which is a couple hours later, given the time that I start in the morning, it's a couple hours later than I normally work. Um, but that just kind of shuffles everything later. So like if I do get to the gym, then I'm at the gym later and then I'm home later. And by the time I finally get to my evening free time, I'm bushed. I'm completely wiped out. I've been doing very little sewing really to speak of. Once I finished um, my stash challenge project, which I'll be talking a little bit about here and, and finished being a loose sense of the term, once I got it done enough for the challenge, Um, I haven't touched my sewing machine since. I've done a little bit of playing with fabric here and there, but I haven't really done anything else. And it's mostly because I just don't have the brain power. Um, So the idea of sitting down and posting a podcast when I couldn't even string two words together to make sense was kind of a scary prospect. So I apologize that I sort of dropped off the face of the earth. Um, I have managed to post just a handful of blog entries in that time with what little I have been doing. But really not a lot going on. You know what I've actually been doing, which is really unusual for me? I've been doing a lot of reading. I always read. I'm always reading at bedtime. I have professional books that I'm reading. Um, But it's rare for me to just, you know, take an hour in the evening or take an hour in the morning or on weekends to just sit and read. But to be honest, when I'm not working or, you know, getting stuff done around the house, I've just been so tired. That's all I've really wanted to do. Um, I've gotten a lot of great reading done. And in fact, once again, I do want to say thank you so much to Tanisha of Crafty Garden Mom Podcast, because um, several of the books I've read were based on her recommendations. And I think I've probably already mentioned a couple of them, but I, I read Molokai, which she had reviewed on her podcast and really enjoyed it. Or I guess to be more accurate, I really, really enjoyed the first two thirds of the book. I kind of liked the last third. I I had some, not some issues with the ending of it. Just, you know, whenever you write somebody's entire life story, you're going to run out of steam somewhere. And I kind of felt like the author ran out of steam a little bit towards the end. But um, that being said, it was still a very, very well done book. I have also read the first two of uh, Marie Bostwick's Cobble Court series. 
Uh, a single thread, I think, is the first one, and then a thread of truth is the second one. I enjoyed a thread of truth a little bit more than a single thread, but I think that's mostly because in a single thread, the first one, you're just getting used to who all the characters are and trying to keep straight, you know, who's related to whom and, and that kind of thing. By the second one, you you kind of got that down, so you're more able to immerse just in the story. And the second one took on, the first one took on the issue of breast cancer. The second one took on the issue of domestic violence. And I actually thought she spent a lot more time in the second book with um, the realities around domestic violence without it being a really seriously depressing book. I mean, she she did it very, very well. Um, so I do like both of those books, and I'm looking forward to reading the other two um, that she's got written. One, The fourth one just came out like a month ago. And I've also read the first two books in Claire O'Donohue's Someday Quilts series, which I believe uh, I think Tanisha may have mentioned it, but I know I also heard um, Francis on Off Kilter Quilt talking about that one, I think, is the other place I heard it. Um, and so I did decide to read that series, and I've enjoyed them. You know, they're kind of light mysteries. They're not earth-changing or life-changing or shattering type books, but they're enjoyable. Um, especially, you know, when I'm just looking for a little bit of escapist fiction, they're kind of fun. Um I've also read In the Bleak Midwinter, which is the first book in Julia Spencer Fleming's series. Oh, shoot, can't remember the name. Uh, the two main characters are Claire and Russ. <laughs> I can't remember their names, but that's basically in the Claire something and Russ something series. Um, and her, the main character, is uh, a woman Episcopal priest. And so since I'm female clergy, you know, that's kind of right in my uh, wheelhouse. So I enjoyed that book. I, because I'm also trained clergy, there were a couple things I had a little bit of a problem with, but <laughs> other than that, you know, just things that, you know, if you're a trained clergy, you're probably going to be a little more aware of that particular situation than what the main character seemed to be aware. But that was a minor quibble in my overall view of the book. I really enjoyed the book and I don't think, you know, most other readers probably wouldn't think twice about some of the things I was picking up on. But that being said, um, in any case, I'm definitely going to be reading further in that series. I, I did enjoy it. It was a very well-written mystery. It, it, you know, light, not as light as Claire Donahue. I mean, it's not written to be funny, but it's it's not a, you know, really gory, dark mystery either. So I, I enjoyed that one as well. And um, let's see. Oh, the other thing I just started, again, based on Tanisha's recommendation, I just started reading How to Bake a Perfect Life. Don't remember the name of the author, sorry. Um, and, you know, I'm maybe a third of the way in, a quarter of the way in, somewhere in there, and I'm enjoying that one too. So thank you, Tanisha, for <laughs> for keeping me busy and keeping my Kindle full. It really, actually, you're just spending my money for me, but, you know, that's what we do for each other. So um, I appreciate that. But that's, you know, kind of mostly what I've been doing lately is a lot of reading and that's felt like a luxury, but boy, I've been enjoying it. And I've been realizing I need to work some more of these kind of, you know, an hour spent in my armchair in the living room with a book, or in my case, with my Kindle. Because um, it just, I really enjoy that. I used to do a lot more of that when I was younger, and I kind of got away from it, and I miss it. So I'm going to start doing more reading. Um, and I do actually have a really fun announcement about a surprise giveaway that was actually even a surprise to me three or four weeks ago when it came up. I do apologize that this has taken me so long to um, post this podcast and get around to this. But one of my one of our listeners named Anne had contacted me a few weeks back and said that while she was um, cleaning off some shelves, she realized she had two copies 
of The Double Cross by Claire O'Donoghue. And I was just talking about her series. And The Double Cross, I'm trying to remember, I don't think that's the first book in the series. Maybe it is. Anyway, um, it's in that Someday Quilt series. Uh, so she sent me one of the books to use as a giveaway. And so I have a um, free copy of Claire O'Donoghue's The Double Cross, which is one of the books in the Someday Quilt series. And um, again, I really do enjoy these series. And so if you're looking for some summer reading, you're going to want to get in on this giveaway. So what I'm going to do is anybody who posts a comment um, to this episode, or let's say until, what's the date today? June 24th. Let's say until June 30th. I'll give you until June 30th. Post a comment to this episode or my next one if I get one posted before the 30th. Uh, just telling me, I don't know, what your favorite book has been that you've ever read. <laughs> Is that too much? Um, you know, what book changed your life? Or what book got you hooked on reading in the first place? Or just a book that gives you a warm, cozy memory? I don't know. It's some, it's something having to do with books. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty open at this point. And um, I will just choose a uh, person at random from all the people who post comments and I will mail you Anne's extra copy of the Double Cross. So thank you very much to Anne for providing that um, wonderful gift of a giveaway. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading what everybody's comments on are. And again, remember, you've got until June 30th to post your comment to um Put your name in for a chance to win a copy of The Double Cross. And it is an actual physical book, not a Kindle version. I'm not going to slide you an e-reader. It's it's an actual real live book with pages and everything. Thank you again, Anne. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to doing that giveaway. Okay, the other announcement I've got, of course, is the Stash Challenge. I got several people were able to complete the uh, the task. And if those of you, if there's any new listeners, I quite often actually do challenges, creativity challenges is what I call them. And this time around for this quarter, ending on June 20th, it was, um, the challenge was to create something inspired by children's artwork using at least, I think it was three fabrics from your stash. Um, of any amount, because I, you know, I, as I've said before, I go rules light to be as inclusive as possible so that people will have as much opportunity as possible to participate in the fun. And uh, so I didn't specify any amount of fabric you had to use, because, of course, that all depends on the size project you choose to do. Um, and people sent me everything from, you know, kid size quilts to wall hangings to small pieces. Um, the other thing is it didn't have to actually be finished. It just needs to be recognizable for what it is. And so I got several entries in that, and it's always fun to see those entries. Uh, at the same time, I'm running the same challenge with my guild, with my actual real life people guild that we get together um, monthly. And... <laughs> I was giving them a hard time because when I first announced that challenge, you should have heard the whining in the room. <laughs> there, were, there were two or three people that were like, what you want us to do? What? But they all got into it. And, you know, I had, we have probably 40 or 50 people in our guild, 30 to 40 on a regular basis, because we have a lot of snowbirds and then we have a lot of summer birds. We have, you know, kind of our good months are between like October and November and then April and May. And <laughs> The rest of the year, it's kind of half the group has gone to places, um, either cottages in the summer or south in the winter. 
Uh, but anyway, we've got 20 some odd people are participating in this challenge, which is the largest uh, challenge participation I think we've had at least for as long as I've been in the guild. And it is so much fun to see the results. People are really getting into this. And this children's artwork one just was a hoot. We were laughing. I mean, everybody was just having so much fun with it and showing their results and just coming up with wonderful stuff. And I was really sorry that um, because of the way this particular quarter had worked out, my deadline for you guys, for the podcast listeners, was after my deadline for the guild. And in the past, when I've run concurrent challenges, I do actually bring pictures in of listeners' um, completions to my guild meetings so that they can see what you guys are doing too. And I wasn't able to do that this time. So I'm the next quarter's challenge. The deadline is um, going to be a little bit different so that I'll have that opportunity. So anyway, this this was a really fun um, challenge. It even surprised me how much fun I had with it, uh, doing it myself. And I'm the one that came up with the theme. So <laughs> there we go. I think, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm feeling some children's artwork coming around again in the future at some point. It was just a hoot. Um, but in any case, what you're all waiting for is to hear who the winner is um, of the listeners for uh, this particular challenge. And I put everybody's name, well, I I don't put them in a pot. They actually stay on my computer screen. And then I use um, the random number generator. And you'll see it on my website, by the way. I do put it on the, I have the um, thing on the show notes. Um, on the right-hand side, you'll see the little red random number generator. So if you ever need to generate a number randomly, you can do it right from my website. Um, so in any case, I did random number generator. And the winner is Steffi. And you are the one who sent me the recording I used in the last episode. Woohoo! I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name. Because <laughs> then you'd have to send me another recording to pronounce it. Um, but I will be in touch with you if you could just uh, send me your snail mail address, your, your surface mailing address, and I can send you your winnings, your fabric goodness that you've earned. Um, I was so pleased. And I really enjoyed seeing everybody's pictures on Fortunately, I am not going to be able to uh, take the time to put up a video version of the results this time like I've done in times past. I do apologize for that. Uh, some of you did post your results in the Flickr group. And yes, I did keep your name in the list. So, you know, I, I had you in the drawing. Uh, those of you who didn't post in the Flickr group, it, you could do that if you're able to. If not, I will at some point try to um, post your photos in the Flickr group myself. Uh, the reason I can't put together a video thing is this really is crunch time at work. Plus, my daughter graduates from high school on Friday, about three days from now. So kind of a tight week <laughs> schedule-wise. So I'm not promising anything I don't think I'm going to be able to get to. So congratulations, Steffi. And um, I'm looking forward to mailing you your stuff. Now... Are you ready for the next quarter theme? This one is going to be such a gimme compared <laughs> compared to the children's artwork thing. You guys, this is like a picnic. I'm giving it to you. This is so easy. You'll have a lot of fun for it. Okay, so here's actually what I read to my guild. Um, so you're going to get sort of the situational thing. Okay, here's the theme. Yay, summer! We don't get to see a lot of sun up here in western New York, so we're going to make sure we can see it year-round via fabric. This quarter, create a project using warm colors, from at least three of which must be from your stash. And that means three separate fabrics, um, not three different colors, even if they all show up on one fabric. Three separate fabrics from your stash, and the project needs to use warm colors. Now, does that mean those three separate fabrics from your stash all have to be warm colors? No. It just means the project has to use warm colors, and you'd have to use at least three from your stash. 
Um, again, it does not have to be completed. It just has to be recognizable for what it is. Um, no particular size requirements, no particular usage requirements. I mean, if you want to make a placemat or if you want to make a queen size quilt, either one perfectly acceptable as long as it fits the parameters of the challenge. And for you, dear podcast listeners, your deadline is I have to have pictures or a link to a blog where you've posted pictures, or you have to email me that you've posted them in the Flickr group so that I know they're there. Um, You have to do that by midnight, my time, Eastern time, on (laughs) September 12th. Actually, you know, I'm not on my computer at midnight, so it doesn't really matter. I just say midnight, September 12th, so that I have them sometime by the time I get up in the morning on September 13th, which is a Tuesday. And the reason I chose that date is because my guild meeting is that Tuesday night. So if I've got your pictures by the 12th, I'll be able to print them off and bring them to guild meeting and you guys can be honorary guild members for the night. So again, summer theme. And so that you can keep the sun going in your home year round. Some of you that just kind of happens naturally. Others of us have to fake it (laughs) and at least three fabrics from your stash. Now, some of you who follow my blog noticed that a day or two ago, I don't remember really when I posted, I posted a collection of fabrics that I was kind of pulling together um, just at that point. No real clear idea what I was going to use. Actually, those are the warm color fabrics I'm going to be using for this project because I had already announced the theme to my guild at that point. So I was already starting to think towards this a little bit. I do always have this issue with um, certain warm colors, though. You know, we kind of have, in a sense, you know, what the warm colors are, the reds, yellows, oranges, that kind of thing. But there are certain, not so much yellows, but there's certain reds and oranges that have real blue undertones. So to me, they almost come across more as cool colors than warm colors. (laughs) Um, So I'm using these as warm colors, but they're a little bit on the cool side of warm, which is kind of interesting. Um, If you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll have to go visit my blog. And that one's quilting for the rest of us at blogspot.com because I posted the collection up there. Now, that being said, even though I know it's going to be for this challenge, I have no idea what I'm actually doing. Um, I've kind of been playing with possibilities in my head. Um, haven't even really sat down with EQ yet. I want to scan the fabrics into EQ and start playing, but I don't really know what it is. It's interesting. Uh, one of you, and I don't have the comments open in front of me. One of you commented, that it looked kind of Halloween-y. And I had to go back and look at it again because I had not gotten that (laughs) out of this set of fabrics. And I I can see where you would get that because it is sort of that color palette, but the fabrics themselves don't really lend themselves towards that much. Um, I can't tell you really what I think about this. It's just, it's an unusual color palette for me to work in. So I'm, I'm really kind of excited about playing with it. It's fun to do something different once in a while. Okay, I'm starting to babble and that's because I really have no particular goals this episode except to tell you I am still alive. (laughs) I am not pod fading. I'm still going. Okay, so I've done that and I've done that. I do have some notes, but they're not in any particular order. Okay, I can give you an update on the Hexi project. Um, If you'll remember, sort of a co-led thing by um, Jay of Art Quilt Maker and Pam of Hip to Be a Square and myself, and we're all working on hexes, and we're inviting you to play along. It's a very loosey-goosey quilt along in that we are not giving you a particular pattern. We're not giving you particular block designs. We're not giving you instructions about specific amounts of fabric to use, or you must cut this number of hexagons of this size, et cetera, et cetera. We're basically saying, hey, why don't you cut some hexagons? <laughs> and that's about it. So... 
So if you if you want to cut some hexagons, you can play. Um, whatever you do with those hexagons, what you what you've cut them, that's really up to you. Um, I have actually I've developed a design that I do have printed off, and Noni had asked if I could post the EQ version, um, you know, a JPEG of the EQ design that I'm working off of. And I'm, I'm debating doing that. And it's not because I'm being cagey, Noni, really. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not keeping this some big secret and with a big reveal at the end. It's more because I don't actually know if this design is going to work. Um, on paper, I can see it. I can see where I'm going and I can imagine it. Um, but it's something that much of it is really going to rely on the quilting as well to really bring out what I'm trying to do here. So I don't know if, if if I post the picture on my blog, if it'll just kind of look like a hot mess. Although it would be interesting to see if people can get what it is. I think you would. I think you would. But the other reason is because I'm also leaving myself open to once I get all these hexes cut, and I am cutting more or less the number of each color family that I need. So even in that, I'm I'm allowing myself some elbow room. I don't have, you know, I have, I need about 20 of this and I need about 30 of this. And then even as I've started cutting them, okay, so the one that I said I needed about cut, uh, 20 of, I ended up cutting more like 35, you know, and it's just sort of, I'm giving myself room to play once I get into the design process. So I'm going to be cutting a slew of hexes and then I'm just going to be playing with them on a design wall and I'm going to see if it works the way it does on an EQ, you know, because in EQ, when I designed it, I didn't have the particular fabrics that I'm using scanned in. And so I was just kind of going more for color families. So once I actually get the fabrics on the wall, it might have a very different look. So that's the only reason, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to be secretive. I'm just, I don't want to lock myself into anything. And I, I don't know whether the very act of posting it on the blog, not that you guys would lock me in, but then I would almost feel like I had kind of created this expectation myself. So that's why I'm, I'm, I haven't posted it yet. I'm just feeling very organic about this process. <laughs> Isn't that a nice artistic word for not wanting to have to make any decisions? I like that word, organic. We're just going to let it grow. I will say I have started cutting my hexagons. Like I said, I'm about, I think I'm, over 30. I'm probably up to about 40 or 50 hexagons. No, I think I counted 39. I think I'm up to 39. And, you know, generally speaking, I need something about 180. The The current design will end up being full to queen size, I think. I'm using, um, they will be five inch finished hexes. So they're fairly large hexes. So, you know, that's the other thing. I may get this design and decide it's it's just gargantuan and monstrous and just won't work. <laughs> I don't know. And I may end up making a whole lot of placemats and table runners <laughs> instead. Who knows? Um, in any case, what I'm using is the K Wood method of cutting. We've posted that in a couple of places. And I just did my um, newsletter, by the way. I, I did get a newsletter sent out. Yay me. Uh, and I did that all on a bunch of stuff about hexagons, some of which is a little bit of a repeat from my blog, just in case there's subscribers to the newsletter that don't follow the blog. But um, most of it was different kinds of stuff. Like I did a little bit on the history of hexagons, and I did a little bit on um, hexagons as a symbol in Japanese quilts, which was a really interesting article I had stumbled across. So that was in the, the Quilting for the Rest of Us newsletter. Um, but in that newsletter and on my blog, I had posted links to the K. Wood method, which is also posted in Jay's blog as well. And 
it really does, it works amazingly well. So you cut a strip of fabric to um, the finished, I'm sorry, the, the unfinished size of the hexagon you want. So I want a five inch finished, I, that means I need a five and a half inch cut hexagon. So I cut a five and a half inch strip and then you fold it in half. And um, I don't actually press the seam of the fold because I didn't want to crease that specific. I just finger pressed it. And then you take your 60 degree ruler and again, remember, and we had talked about this in the last episode or the episode before, that you need the one with the pointy tip, not the blunted tip. And you take that ruler and you lay it on the strip so that the very tip of the triangle point of the ruler is at the very top of the strip. And then you look down and you see where the fold of the strip hits on the ruler. And you mark that on your ruler. And then you move that ruler so that where you've marked it, that line is now on the top of the strip where the two raw edges come together. And there's another line then on the fold where you just make sure, obviously at that point, that you're square. And then you cut on either side of the triangle. And then when you open up that cut piece, it's a perfect hexagon. And I had no problems whatsoever from the start. The very first ones I was cutting, they all, what I do is after I've cut them, I lay them out next to each other to make sure they're all going to fit together and that the sides are all even and everything. And they're just beautiful. They're, they're coming out perfectly. And it's really fast. Um, you know, cutting those 39 hexagons that I've done so far, I've told you, I don't have a lot of time right now. So those were a couple of nights where I felt like, okay, I don't feel like sewing, but I could stand here and cut things. Um, <laughs> let me near a sharp thing and slice my finger off. I'll be fine. Um, but I actually, I, like I said, it went very quickly. Um, what I'm using to mark my ruler, I've got, I think it's by Q-Tools. They're the purple vinyl strips that you normally put down next to your sewing machine feet to mark your quarter inch line so that you can run your fabric along the side of it. Um, I'm using one of those and okay, here's where I was tired. I put it on my ruler in the right place, not realizing the fact that it was actually hanging off the side of the ruler. So when I went to cut the fabric, I also lopped off <laughs> end of the Q-tool, which is fine because now it's perfectly shaped as the marking tool. <laughs> my ruler, I just, I did it and I was like, well, duh, of course that was going to happen. I just hadn't thought ahead. Uh, but in any case, my hexagon still turned out perfectly. So that is a really nice method for cutting hexagons. It is fast. It's accurate. Um, as long as your cutting and your folding are accurate. I will say uh, there's a little bit of fabric waste, but not a tremendous amount. Um, okay, another overtired point. <laughs> you know how normally when you cut strips with something at an angle, you cut it one direction and then you turn the ruler around and you cut the other direction and then you flip it, you know, so that each line, each time you're cutting, you're actually only cutting one side after that first time. Well, <laughs> that doesn't work with hexagons. <laughs> so, so the first time I started to cut, I cut that first one. And of course, Kay Wood had not said to flip the ruler, but I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't I just flip the ruler? <laughs> So I flip the ruler, I make a cut, and I pull it out, and I go to my husband, who was, he was at his computer behind me. I turn around, I said, huh, that's not a hexagon, is it? And he just kind of shook his head at me, and I said, okay, that's why you don't flip the ruler around. You come out with something that looks a little more like a Grecian urn when you do that. Anyway, you know, I'm sharing with you my don't, don't do what I do moments, because I just had to laugh at myself. Of course that was going to happen. Um, I didn't do very well in geometry, in high school, can you tell? 
Actually, my geometry teacher didn't even do well at geometry. He was the football coach and only taught geometry because he had to. And actually, we had an eighth grader in our 10th grade geometry class who actually taught the class. If he hadn't been there, I don't think any of us would have passed the final. So that's, that's why I don't really know how hexagons work. All goes back to 10th grade. Okay, back on project or back on focus here. Um, so yeah, my, my hexagon project so far is going well. Haven't sat down to sew a seam yet. Um, I do have some... I don't want to say spare hexagons. I The first piece of fabric I cut was actually a fat quarter because I had a, it wasn't a full fat quarter. I'd used it for actually my, it was, part of it was cut out for the little tail on my chicken butt um, because I needed a little piece of fabric. So I used the rest of it and cut hexagons and I got several of the five and a half side, but then I had one strip left that wasn't going to be big enough. So now I've got some four inch hexagons in purple floating around um, for no purpose. So what I'm going to use those for is when I'm ready to sit down and sew, those are going to be my practice um, things. Now, that being said, Jay has now posted her tutorial on, on her sewing method. Um, so go to artquiltmaker.blogspot.com, I believe is her link. Um, I will make sure I post it in the show notes, so don't take what I'm saying. Look to the show notes for the link to her tutorial. Or if you're already a follower, which you should be, uh, just go to her tutorial. And she has posted um, good directions. And I did have to email her a question after I read her first set of tutorials, um, only because I've not done this before, and I'm kind of a visual person. I need to actually kind of lay it out in front of me to see how it's going to work, and I didn't have it laid out in front of me at the time. So I emailed her a question, and I said, I think this is just because I'm not, you know, I haven't been able to visualize this yet, but could you clarify this one thing? And so she has since now posted a follow-up, just in case anybody else is as much of a geometric doofus as I am. <laughs> And needs to, you know, needs a little more guidance on that. Speaking of Jay, by the way, quick shout out to her. She was the guest co-host this past week on Mark Lipinski's Creative Mojo podcast. Congratulations, Jay. It was a lot of fun listening to you. Um, you know, people that I only know by email, it's always a little disconcerting to hear, oh my gosh, they've actually got a speaking voice. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun listening to you, Jay. Thank you. Appreciated the fact that you were um, brave enough to do that. That was fun. So woohoo to that. Okay, let's talk about my stash challenge. I did thread painting on my stash challenge and, and um, on my chicken butt stash challenge and I posted pictures on my blog. So if you want to see that, again, go to quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. You're going to have to scroll down a little bit now because that was a couple of posts ago. Um, I posted a picture. The first picture you see on the blog is my daughter's original artwork that it was based on. And then you'll see my chicken butt thread painted and then <laughs> my chicken butt. Um, I don't have a chicken butt. My thread painted chicken butt. Uh, and then a cup, I did a couple of detail shots, a couple of close-ups, and I had a ball with it. So basically my process was um, I traced the drawing onto um, tracing paper first and then reversed it and converted it to and traced it onto uh, Wonder Under. Okay, I just got interrupted. My husband just got home from work and we were chatting for a little bit. So now I'm trying to remember what I was talking about, which was the uh, thread sketching, um, thread painting project. After I traced it onto Wonder Under, then I fused it to the background fabric. And normally I use a lighter stable, uh, lighter fusible. I prefer Misty Fuse because I really like, you know, when you fuse something with Misty Fuse, all you're really feeling is the two layers of fabric. It's not extra stiff because of the um, fusible as well. Wonder Under is a little bit stiffer. But for this, I felt like, you know, that would be okay. I could get away with that because you, you know, you need something stiffer to do the thread painting on anyway. And then I did use a Sulky Stabilizer, Tear Away Stabilizer, and I believe it was lightweight um, because that's what I had on hand. I 
was um, intelligent enough that even though I didn't know what I was going to use it for at the time, but when mom passed away, one of the things I did make sure I took was all of the various stabilizers and fusibles that she had, because those aren't cheap. And I figured at some point I would use them, and sure, they've come in kind of handy. So I did have some of the, the sulky tearaway stab- stabilizer, and I used that. Now, my thread painting teacher had suggested, um, recommended using something much thicker, a Peltex uh, 70 or 71 weight. And I can see where that would have been the case. I didn't really worry about that too much with that with this project, mostly because, you know, this was really an experimental project. Um, and I didn't have quite as much problem with puckering as I thought I might. Uh, partly, I think, because it was only the one piece that I was thread painting. If I was doing a whole landscape with a whole bunch of different pieces and you were thread painting the whole thing, it would have been much more intense. Um, I do have some puckering. I did. Uh, one of the other things she did say to do was you steam the heck out of it while you're uh, thread painting. So, you know, you've, you've thread paint one portion, you go over and you hit it with a steam iron and you just really hit it hard. And then you go back and you do another portion, and you hit it with the steam iron again. And so I was very conscientious about doing that. I do, like I said, I have a little bit of puckering. I really do think it'll probably mostly quilt out. Um, I'm just going to do an echo quilt on it, echo design, um, keep it pretty simple. So I don't think the puckering is going to be all that noticeable once I quilt it. It'll be hard to tell, but again, you know, this is just a fun little project. I'm not really sweating it that much. Um, now, I have not finished it. I've not gone any further with it, but I, I just had so much fun doing it. Um, the hardest decision was what colors to use where, um, but even that, you know, there's there's some things I can see. You know, people who do thread painting end up with thread stashes probably bigger than their fabric stashes because you do, you know, you want just the right color for shading, and I was trying to mostly work with what I had on hand. Um, so I I would have used a little more shading here and there um, had this not just been kind of a for fun experimental project. And, and frankly, it looks fine. It's just me. You know, when I picture it, I can see where I would have done more. Um, but I don't think anybody else really would notice that so much. So it was, I just did have a lot of fun doing it. I can see myself doing a lot more of that. It was actually easier than machine quilting. <laughs> because you're not trying to do a particular pattern. You know, I was I was trying to pay attention to, to directionality um, to get certain kind of shading effects and to follow, to be as true as I could to my daughter's original design. You know, I was trying to thread paint in the same direction that she used her cross-hatching or her um, shading techniques and such. It has a variety of techniques in her original artwork. Uh, you know, and I got there probably half the time. I, I wasn't able to do some of the techniques only because this was the first time I'd really done this heavy of a thread painting. I've done a little bit of thread painting before and had a lot of fun with it. This is the first time I've done this kind of thread painting. So anyway, that was a lot of fun, and I do want to finish that project eventually. I'm hoping August my life settles down some. We have, our organization has a big event in June. Uh, sorry, July every year. We actually have, an, this year we have an event this weekend that I'm not able to be at because of my daughter's graduation. And so I had a lot of stuff I had to get ready for that, but then I'm not traveling. So um, actually my supervisor leaves tomorrow morning. She goes down and she's getting there a little bit before the event for some extra meetings she has to attend. And so actually tomorrow my life slows down a little bit only because she'll be gone. And and everything I've had to do for the event is also done. So now I can kind of go back to working on the other projects I have to go to, to get done in time for our second big event, which is in July. And we have um, our board meetings back to back with our women's and girls conferences. And um, so there's a lot of prep work to be done for our board meetings and then a lot of prep work to do be done for the conferences. So those are the middle of July. 
Um, so the next few weeks are going to be crazy for me. And um, I, you know, am not guaranteeing any regularity of podcasting. I will try to do it when I can. Uh, but once those events are over, then um, August slows down considerably. <laughs> it's always, I always so much look forward to August. I mean, the events are fun. Um, uh, well, I mean, board meetings are board meetings, but we actually always really have a good time together. But they are, they're just exhausting. And so I always take a couple of days, vacation days when I get home just to sleep. I will not get any sewing done then either. Um, on the other hand, on the way home, I will be stopping in Chipshawana, Indiana and going to Lolly's Fabric Store. And I'll talk more about that on a future podcast. Um, those of you who have been to Chipshawana know what I'm talking about. And so that'll be fun. Um, anyway, that was way digressing from the whole thread painting thing. But I think I'd finished saying about all I wanted to say about the thread painting. Oh, I had a good time with it. I only broke one needle, and that was because the thread I was trying to use for his little tail on his little chicken butt, the purple thread, was actually far too thick, but it was what I had on hand. It is it is not what I would normally choose to use for thread painting. It was definitely more of a hand quilting weight thread, and it just brutalized my needle, <laughs> split it in half, because, you know, you're trying to work in this very small... Anyway, it, it just popped that little puppy, and I ended up with a lot of thread nests in that section, too, and it really was... It was because that thread did not want to behave well with what I was trying to do. So that's, you know, one thing, if you're going to use a heavier thread, you've got to make sure you adjust everything else accordingly. And I just didn't do that because it was a tiny little space I was trying to do. So that was really the only negative of the whole thing. Um, and, you know, negative. It was a learning experience. Everything else went well. Okay, I've got a couple of uh, calendar events I want to let you know. Those of you who are in the Western New York area, and I know I've got a few listeners up here, or um, within driving distance, there's some interesting events that I picked up in the newspaper several weeks ago now. And most of these, well, actually, the first one does not have an end date, but there is an event called Parallax Views of Contemporary Quilt Artists, and it's at Booksmart Studio on North Goodman Street in Rochester here, and it's an international display opening June 1st. And if you want more information about that, go to booksmartstudio.com, and I will put the link to that in the show notes of this episode. I'm hoping I'll be able to get to it. I'm not positive I'm going to be able to. I mean, this is just not a good time of year for me. A second exhibit going on is Art Quilts by Pat Pauly. Pat Pauly is a, um, a local quilt artist that is just very well known and just does gorgeous work. Um, she is having a solo exhibit at Nazareth College Arts Center Gallery in Pittsford, and I will put the link for information about that. It's um, at naz.edu slash art slash art center gallery with hyphens in between, but I'll put the link to that up on the show notes to this episode as well. And that is running June 30th to August 14th, so I do actually have more of a shot at getting to that one. And then finally, the Finger Lakes Fiber Arts Festival is September 18th and 19th at the Hemlock Fairgrounds in Hemlock, which is in Livingston County, a little bit south of where I live. Um, and it says it's an annual event and they have vendors and demonstrations. And again, that's fiber art, so it's not just quilting, but I'm kind of hoping to get to that. Oh, no, I can't. I'm out of town that weekend. Sugar. Um, if anybody can get to that, take pictures and send them because I'd really be interested in seeing what that's about. So those are just some events that were listed in my local newspaper that I thought I should let you know about. Um, listener comments, I'm not going to respond to them all right now, but I do want to say thank you. And this is an alphabetical order to Anne-Marie and Kathy and Daisy and Litterdummer <laughs> 
L-T-D-E-R-M-D-V-M, um, who commented in Flickr. Uh, Gretchen, Jen, Jennifer, June, Kate, and I think a different Kate, um, Machen Untun, which I'm not pronouncing correctly, probably Machen Untun, I'm sorry, uh, Mikey, Willa, Noni, Pam, Quilter in the Gap, Sandra, Sandy, Shauna, Sherry, Susan, Very Lazy Daisy, and Vivian. Thank you so much for all of your comments. Um, those were all comments on various blog entries and episodes over the last couple of weeks since I last posted a podcast, and I enjoyed reading all of them. I responded to a few of you, not all of you, um, but definitely everybody check out the comments yourselves. Uh, most of them are very entertaining. People are funny. I like reading your comments. You're funny. And some of them have good information in, in them as well. So um, I think that's it for now. I'm sure I'm forgetting all sorts of stuff, but hopefully next week um, I will be able to, once my daughter is graduated <laughs> and I'm done with at least that much of the busyness, uh, hopefully I'll be able to post again next week. So thank you all for listening very, very much, especially when I don't have a whole lot to say. I appreciate your stick to And um, look forward to hearing from you and hearing about your quilty things. And again, congratulations to uh, Steffi for winning the Stash Challenge. And remember to post comments in the show notes to this episode or whatever else I might post before June 30th and have your name put in a drawing for the, um, the Double Cross book. And I can't wait to send that to somebody either. And I will try to update the website soon with the information about the new Stash Challenge uh, with the deadline in September. Is that it? I think that's it. Uh, so until next time, go get your quilty on. Sorry, that's not quite it. I didn't tell you how to be in touch with me. I really am fairly, fairly scattered tonight. So you can post in the show notes to this uh, episode or to any of the episodes at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Quiltcast Supergroup in Big Tent. You can also like us on Facebook. Just look for Quilting for the Rest of Us. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. Uh, you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, Sandy with a Y, Quilts, still with a Z. And um, what else? There's also, you can follow my blog. Uh, you can join the Kiva team. You can join the Flickr group. I really strongly encourage the Flickr group because it is so much fun to see everybody's pictures. And you will find links to all of those things and more at the website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Now you're allowed to go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.